Man, it's so good to be with you today in Lifehouse. You look good today. Yeah, talking to you. Yeah, that's right. Um, talking about the power of words today. And um, I told the, the, the team earlier as we were going over the order of service, I said, I don't think this message will be a very long one, at which point they all began to chuckle in disbelief. So we'll see. Uh, somebody knocked on the wall. I think it was Sarah. And I said, that's not wood. That's drywall. So it doesn't count. So, uh, but what is beautiful about this passage of Scripture is that, to be honest, it preaches itself. Uh, you can just read this. And there's not a lot that I can say to elaborate further or unpack further what James is already saying. But hey, challenge accepted, James. Because here we are. Uh, but I was thinking about uh, some, some words that I've heard in my life, and, and, I, and I started remembering quotes that I've heard, so I decided to look up where they came from. Uh, some of them already knew pretty well where they came from, but one of them that I have heard before is a penny saved is a penny earned. Anybody ever heard that one-liner before? I'm a, I love one-liners, by the way. I love those kind of simple quotes. I can read a whole 200-page book and walk away with three quotes that are better than the whole book, except for those three quotes right there. But... Uh, Benjamin Franklin, in case anybody is curious, he's the one who said that, right? A penny saved is a penny earned. He also said early to bed and early to rise makes a man hel uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I just want to call uh, a bluff on that because I like to go to bed early and I like to get up early. And, and listen, I don't know if I can fit all those statements, but praise God, I'm believing in faith for, for health and, and, and wealth and, and more wisdom. Please, Lord, more wisdom. In Jesus' name, please help me with that. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, come on, somebody's going to know this one is, and I bet you'll know the author, the author of this quote, life is like a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. Who, who said that? Everybody know? For, no, you ain't saying it right. You got to say force, force gum, right? Don't recommend watching that because at least not from this platform. Do you guys know who said it's more blessed to give than to receive? Yeah. But you know who quoted Jesus in the book of Acts as saying it? Paul. There you go. There you go. Y'all learning Bible trivia today. Sign them up for JBQ. Proverbs tells us a soft answer turns away wrath. If you ever want to end an argument and, and just bring peace to a situation, don't respond the way you were talked to. Respond with a soft answer because that turns away wrath. The author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, said, to everything, there is a season. Is anybody else like me? And, and at the end of every major season, specifically summer and winter, you think to yourself, I never want to be hot again. Or I never want to be, I never want it to be cold weather again. Only that by the end of that season, at the end of summer, looking into fall, you're like, praise the Lord, it's finally cooling off. It's so hot. And at the end of winter, you're like, dear Jesus, I'm tired of all these layers. You ever feel that way, AJ? Or No, you're all about the layers, right? Um, and, 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 and another quote that you've probably heard, I would imagine everybody in this room has heard it, and most of your children uh, have probably heard it before. Maybe even have quoted it to your kids or to yourself or to somebody, but it goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Anybody, anybody heard that one in the house today? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words have the power to build life or destroy it. Wait, no, that's not it, is it? 
I was in first grade, and I remember it very clearly being picked on by another student in the class and went and told the teacher because that's what a good first grader does, right? You tattle, right? And I remember Miss Oswald saying, looking at me, uh, probably because she didn't want to deal with the situation, but also because she was just trying to get me to shut up. But uh, she looked at me, she said, Drew, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And as much as I loved Miss Oswald, I got I to gotta say, Miss Oswald, you were wrong. Uh, uh, first, Miss First Grade Teacher, you were wrong because sticks and stones may break bones, right? But words are a whole lot more powerful than any other thing that we can create to do damage. I, uh, I don't suggest Googling this, because I, but I got interested in it after having to go through several pages of weird things. I discovered that the tongue weighs between one to two pounds, right? But it is also, yeah, don't do it, don't do it, trust me. It is also, I would submit to you, uh, even though compared to other muscles in the body, it is relatively lightweight, it is the strongest muscle you have in your body. Let me, let me set some foundation work for you here. The author of Hebrews says that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the, what? The Word of God. That the universe was created by the word of God. If you and this isn't going to be on the screen, but if you go and you read the first chapter of the Gospel of John, you will discover that Jesus Himself is referred to as the Word made flesh, the Word of God made flesh. And and then if you go all the way back to the beginning of your Bible, you will see that that God said to within Himself. In, in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. So if you, if you follow me here, I want you to understand the power that exists in the word of God. Uh, Hebrews tells us that the word is what created the universe. And John tells us that the word uh, is Jesus incarnate. And, and then we go back to Genesis and we understand that through his word, uh, God said to himself, let us make man in our image. That is why, that's why James said earlier that we bless and we curse those who were made in the image of God. That whether you follow Jesus or not, you were still made in the image of God. You carry his likeness. You carry his image. And then later in Genesis, in Genesis 2, verse 7 specifically, this is what God says. Then the Lord, God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and he became a living person. Now, if you can follow what I'm trying to show you right now, is that the, the words that you speak are actually sourced from the very breath of God that he breathed into you and brought life into you by. And God, in his example, has shown us that words carry tremendous power. When God said, when God wanted light, what did he do? He didn't, he didn't create light. He said, let there be light. And light was made. When Jesus wanted to calm the storm, he didn't use his hands. He used his word to say, let peace reign in this situation and when God formed man he created him from the dust of the ground he didn't say be alive actually he took part of himself and the Bible tells us that he breathed life into humanity and so when you speak and when you use your words you use the breath you use the life that he's given you and so I'm here today to tell you in short and this is the whole message in 
in a nutshell, is that your words have more power than you will ever understand. And you're going to walk out of this place having a greater understanding of how powerful your words are. But even in that, I would dare say that we, myself included, would still fall short of truly understanding and recognizing how powerful, how creative, and how destructive our words can be. Now, you know it's true in principle, but we don't always know that it's true in practice. Because many of us were shaped in our childhood and throughout our lives by the words that somebody spoke to us, whether they were good or bad. I can still think back to my childhood and my teenage years, uh, encounters I had with parents and teachers and different people that I looked up to, coaches, and how their words in my life shaped me, some for good and some for bad. Jesus himself was shaped by the words his father spoke to him. If you go to the book of Matthew, and this is such a beautiful story, it's actually the very first sermon I preached at Lifehouse. Uh, The day that, that I came and was a candidate to be the pastor of this church, I talked about the words of the father and how before Jesus ever performed a miracle, and this is what's beautiful about it, Before Jesus ever performed a miracle, before he ever opened a blind eye, before he ever preached a sermon, and certainly before he ever resurrected from the dead, his father spoke to him and others could hear it from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so maybe today, the thing that you need most to hear is that your father looks at you and he doesn't look at what you can or can't do for him. He doesn't look at what you have or have not accomplished for him, but he looks at you and he looks at a person, he looks at a son, he looks at a daughter, he looks at someone who was made in his image and says to you, this is my son or this is my daughter. And in you, not because of what you can or can't do, not because of what you've done or haven't done, but just because of who you are relationally to me, in you I am well pleased. And that's the words of your father over you. That was the words of the father over Jesus. And so every time you speak, every time you type, every time you you tweet, every time you post, every time you, you make something known for the rest of the world, you speak as one created in the image of God who with his word created the universe and as one whose very breath that enables you to speak was placed in you by God himself. I don't care how much you say I understand how powerful my words are. I would submit to you that until we get to the other side of eternity and see him face to face, we will not be able to humanly grasp how weighty our words really are. That's why we have to be so careful with our tongues, with our speech, with our words. James says in verse 1 of chapter 3, brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, while this is certainly applicable to someone like me as a pastor, to those of you who lead ministries in our church, it's also applicable to all of us in a different way. What James is in essence saying is the more influence you have, the more weight your words will carry. 
And I'm not talking about actors and athletes and musicians. To be quite honest with you, I couldn't give a rip what they say, who they vote for, what they think. And I don't mean that in any kind of way other than to say those aren't the people that I look to to shape my ideas and morals. But I'm talking about teachers. I'm talking about pastors. And most of all, I'm talking about parents. I've gone on record and I stand by it that I don't know if there is a single more important job on this planet than raising a child and showing them in the way that they should go. But I'm also talking about spouses and how we talk to our wives and wives how we talk to our husbands. I'm talking about bosses and friends and coworkers. And when somebody gives you influence into their life, you are given, in essence, a responsibility to weigh the words that you speak to them and even the words that you speak about them that they don't hear you speak. You were given a responsibility to choose them carefully because words create reality. There was a show in the 2000s called Save the, Ch or it was called Heroes. And in the show, there was this saying, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you are blessed to not know what I'm talking about. But it, but it was this quote that kept being said, save the cheerleaders, save the world, right? Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, there's a few, there's a few. The rest of you just save yourself. You're, you're better off for not knowing it, Right? Save the cheerleader, save the world. Here's, here's a quote to write down. Your words, or choose your words carefully, for they create the reality that you see. Choose your words carefully, for they create the reality of, of what you see. James says in verse 2, he says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Can I just stop right there and say, isn't that freeing? That the half-brother of Jesus, someone who was counted worthy enough of God, to author a, a letter that got put in the canon of Scripture who includes himself in the statement of saying, we all make mistakes. I just, I just feel the weight lifting off my shoulders right now that the one who grew up with Jesus and heard his sermons in person would even say, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues or if we could control our words, we would be perfect. Everybody say the word perfect. Now, if you go back and you listen to the second message I preached in this series, James uses the word perfect in another context there. And the word that he is using in Greek is not the word that we would use for perfect to say something is without flaw. Rather, the word he is using is teleos in the Greek, which means to be made complete or to be made mature. And so what James is in essence saying is that if you can control what you say, that means that you have grown up in the Lord, that you are no longer a baby in Jesus, but that you have reached a certain level of spiritual maturity, and now God can do things in you and through you that he used to could not do because you have grown up. You have gotten to where he's trying to take you. That doesn't mean that there's still not further places to go or greater levels to achieve of maturity in the Lord. But that means as for where you are right now, you are doing as good as you could be. James says if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect or we would be complete. And that we could also control ourselves in every other way. I don't know about you. And, and maybe I'm just speaking for me right now. But if I'm going to be really honest with you, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, the source of most of my mistakes is my mouth. The source of most of my mistakes, <clears throat> the source of most of my problems, the source of most of the things in my life that I would tell you, man, I wish I could change that, or I wish I could get a redo on that one, is my mouth. And James says, you know, 
if you can get to the place where you can control what you say, the rest of your life will look so much better because your words have so much power. He says in verse 3, he says, we can make a a large horse to go wherever you want to by means of a a small bit in its mouth. We can use a, a rudder to make a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Can I just stop right there and show you that you do not have to be the victim of your circumstances in life? That you do not have to play the role of the victim when life deals you what you might feel like is an unfair hand. That you can use your words to counteract or to push against the reality that life has given you. To speak over yourself and to speak over your situation a a greater reality than what you see. That's why Paul tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. So when I walk by faith and not by sight, it changes the way I talk. So And I've preached on this before. I don't call things as they are. How many of us have ever said, I'm just calling it like I see it? I'm just telling you how it is. But can I just tell you, friend, that in the Lord, we've not been called to call it how we see it. We have not been called to tell it like it is. We've been called to make the reality of heaven become the reality of earth. And the primary way in which we do that is through the words that we speak. So when when life gets hard, that's when I praise the hardest. Not when I complain the most. You see, complaining creates a cycle of continuing to see the reality that you don't want. And that doesn't mean that we deny reality. That just means that we believe in a greater reality. That just means that we see what is unseen. That just means that by faith we choose to believe what I cannot see. James says, with a rudder, We can direct a ship in which way it should go, even though the winds against it are strong. He says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing. Remember, one to two pounds, right? That makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. The USS Eisenhower is the aircraft carrier in the U.S. Navy. weighs 91,000 tons. It's 1,100 feet long. It has 280,000 horsepower. How many of you would like that in the, you know, in your Honda Civic, right? Can carry over 6,100 military personnel, as well as nearly 100 aircraft but the rudder is a tenth of one percent of the ship's total size and with that rudder that ship could be moved to different parts of the world and in some cases if it were moved to certain places would actually be sign a sign of war and simply because of something that is literally one tenth of one percent of the total size of it taking it where it should or should not go the tongue James says, it's like a flame of fire. It can set your whole life on fire. And those of you that have moved from out west and made your home in beautiful East Tennessee know something about forest fires that thankfully we don't know that much about here in East Tennessee. But 
2016, many of you will remember the Great Smoky Mountain Fire, right? That burned 28,000 acres, that killed 14 different people and injured 191 and cost over $2 billion in damages. And it was started with nothing more than what began with a spark. The tongue, James says, can set your whole life on fire. I just want you to stop for a moment. And I want you to think about how many wars have been waged. How many jobs have been lost. How many marriages ruined. Families destroyed. Futures forfeited. How many people have been, now listen, I'm not a fan of this kind of stuff, but how many people have been canceled by culture because of something they posted or tweeted or said 10 years ago that came back to haunt them today? How many futures destroyed? How many people hurt over something that was spoken, something that was posted, something that was texted, something that was emailed? How powerful our words are. He goes on and he says, we can tame all kinds of animals, right? All kinds of birds, reptiles, and fish. Listen, I just want to go on record, though. I've never seen anybody tame, uh, train a fish or tame a fish. I don't know that that's real. Maybe James just didn't know. Maybe I just don't know. But he says in verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, a, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. He says, surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. We have a dog. Her name is Maple. We had a cat for about 24 hours, but, you know, that didn't last. Uh, I don't think you can train cats. Anybody who says you can, I just don't believe you. But um, we, we have a dog. Her name is Maple, and she's a fun dog. She, uh, she's, she's, a, she's a good girl. And, and the only reason she can't do more tricks is because we don't have the time to train her. But she's very trainable. She, she wants to please. She can sit. She can lay down. She can sort of stay. She can shake your hand. Uh, she can go home, which is my favorite command to give her. Go home. And then she goes home, just like Steve Urkel did in Family Matters. Can I get a witness, right? <laughs> go home, go home, go home. And, um, you know, you can train a dog. You can, according to James, you can train birds and reptiles. Anybody like the bird show at Dollywood? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's one of my favorite things to watch how they can train owls and eagles and falcons and hawks to, to do these tricks and to fly back and forth. You can train, you can tame just about anything. You can train a bicep, right? You can train your legs. You can train yourself to get up early in the morning. And I know you don't believe me, some of you, but promise you, you can do it. You, you can train for so many things. You can tame so many things. But James is telling us, you can't tame the tongue. You can't train it. But I have good news. You can't tame it. You can't train it. But Arlo, you can surrender it. here's the problem though so many of us try we try to control what only God can rule and your tongue cannot be controlled by you you don't have the power you don't have the strength 
You don't have the willpower. Somebody's going to cut you off in traffic. Somebody's going to do you wrong. Something's going to surprise you. Something's going to catch you off guard. Something's going to happen on a day where you didn't get enough sleep. You didn't get enough fiber. You didn't, something, you're going to be in a bad mood. Something's going to be going wrong. And then something's going to happen. And something's going to fly out of your mouth that you did not know was in there. Because you can't control the tongue. But you can surrender it. And you can say, Lord, this, this, this is something that I can't control, but it is something that you gave me to use positively. So instead of me trying to force myself to speak or to say what you would have me to speak or say, how about I just say, God, it's yours. You're in control. James says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James is essentially paraphrasing his big brother here. Jesus says a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Jesus goes on and he says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Some translations change that a little bit, and it says, out of the abundance of the heart, or out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, the good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You see, the reason why you can't control your tongue because in essence, your words are simply an overflow of what's already inside of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when something happens and a word or a phrase flies out of your mouth and you go, huh, I wonder where that came from. It came from inside of you. It's either inside of you because there's still parts of your life you have yet to surrender to the Lord, or it came from inside of you because you've been filling it with things other than what the Lord would have you fill it with. Somebody, it was, I believe it was just last night, yesterday, asked me, don't you know this song? Don't you know this person? And it was some current country artist, and I said, I don't. I really don't. They said, well, what kind of music do you listen to? And I said, well, I either listen to A1, uh, Air One on the, A1. I love some A1, but I don't listen to A1. <laughs> now, I want, now I want steak, y'all. But I listen to Air One, or I listen to Spotify Worship, or I listen to an audiobook, or I listen to the Bible, or I, or I listen to a podcast. And I know that that might give you this false perception that, wow, Pastor Drew, you're so... <laughs> You're so holy. You, all you do is listen to that stuff. Can I just tell you, friend, it's not necessarily because that's all that I ever want to listen to. It's because I know what's, what I'm capable of when I'm not filling myself up with the right things and with the right stuff. That's why I don't expose myself to, to movies or to shows that are filled with profanity. Listen, I know I'm being basic right now. Maybe I sound a little bit like a youth pastor, but the very first commitment to God that I made on the night that I gave my life to Jesus was to take every CD that I 
I had see, compact disc. Some of y'all don't know what that is. CD, you put it in a little thing and it played it and it made music, made sound, right? I took every one that I had and I threw it away because I, at that point in my life, I didn't want to put anything in my head, anything in my heart that didn't lift up the name of Jesus. And most of what I had on compact discs were things that did the exact opposite of lift up Jesus. And so I knew, I, nobody taught me to do this. Nobody told me to do this. In fact, had I told anybody what I was doing, they'd have probably said, hey, that's crazy, don't do that. But I got rid of it because I didn't want anything going in here and in, in here that didn't lift up Jesus because I didn't want anything coming out of here that didn't lift up Jesus. So anytime something comes out of your mouth and you say, man, that doesn't lift up Jesus, it's because of something in here. It's either something you have yet to surrender or it's something that have went in here or has went in here that's made its home in here. And so when you speak, those words don't just come from nowhere. Those words come from here. Those words come from your heart. Jesus says a fig tree can't make olives and a and, and, a, and a spring can't produce bitter water no more than a bitter spring can produce fresh water. So if you analyze your words, if you analyze your speech and you think about what you say, if it's not creating the reality that you want, my friend, the, the, the solution isn't to change how you talk. The solution is to say, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to, you need to say, God, I'm, I'm laying this down. You say, Pastor Drew, is it a sin? Listen, that's not the right question. That's, that's like looking for a loophole when you do your taxes, right? Listen, we don't serve a God of loopholes. We serve a God of holiness and righteousness. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him or her deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's not a matter of if it is sin. It is a matter of, do I want it coming, making its home in here and coming out of here? Do I want it impacting me? Do I want it creating the future that I'm bound to live? Our words reveal our hearts and they show the world what kind of people that we really are because evil hearts can't produce good words and good words won't come out of an evil heart so take a moment every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment think about the words that you speak Think about the things that come out of your mouth on a daily basis in conversations. Think about the things that you say to your children. Think about the things that you say to your spouse. Think about the things that you say to or about your coworkers or your friends. Dare I even say, think about the words that you speak to yourself. just tell you as a moment of confession, I am most negative and most critical, not to anybody I know, but to that person in the mirror that looks back at me. And more
more times than I can count, my wife has called me and asked me, why do I talk about myself like that? If I, if I wouldn't talk to my children that way, I wouldn't talk to her that way, why would I talk about myself that way? Because you too were created in the image of God and you don't have the right to diss what God has called good. they have shaped me for positive and negative. That's why it's so important that we weigh our words carefully. Proverbs tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death. So as you sitting there meditating, thinking, asking the Lord, help me to hear what you would speak to me. Help me to analyze the words that come out of my mouth. I want to ask you, if every word you spoke became the reality you saw, would you want to live in that world? Because whether you know it or not, friend, that's what has happened. That you speak give life, or do they bring death? The words that you speak build up, or do they destroy? Do the words you speak give hope, or do they discourage? your word that brings transformation your word that brings newness of life your word that confronts us where we are but doesn't leave us like you found us God for every person in the room who would be honest enough to say Pastor Drew when I talk negativity flows out criticism flows out comes out, insecurity comes out. But no more. Not because I'm going to change the way I talk, but because I'm going to surrender my heart to the Lord. And if that's you, if that's your prayer, just right where you're seated, I'm not going to do anything, call anybody out today, but if that's you, if that's your prayer, would you just lift your hand high in the air? I'm going to pray for you right where you are, all over the room. Father God, Father God, that you would touch every heart, that you would change lives. God, that you would be the Lord of our lives, the Lord of our hearts, the Lord of our mouth, the Lord of our tweets, the Lord of our posts, the Lord of our conversations. God, that you would be the Lord of our thoughts. And God, that you would transform us so deeply, so greatly, so completely, God, that when we speak, that we would be as if we were an oracle of the Lord ourselves, speaking faith, speaking truth, speaking grace, speaking favor, speaking the goodness of God. 
over our own lives, over our families, over our friends, over our places of employment, over our church, over our cities, over our country, God. That, Lord, that our words would be the catalyst to bring about the changes that we want to see in us, through us, and around us. And we pray in Jesus' name. One last thing, I want to invite you to stand. As I said earlier, as you analyze your words, and let me just let me just be clear, it's not always just the words you speak, it's also the words you think. As you analyze your words and you know that, hey, there's some things that come out of my mouth, there's some thoughts that live rent-free inside of my head, and I know that the Lord is not pleased with it. And it certainly isn't creating the world in the future that I want to see or that I want to live in. Remember, it's not, it's not a mouth problem, right? It's not a thumb problem. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. But Lord, you would be the Lord of my heart so that in return, you would also be the Lord of my mouth. You don't, you don't get to the point where you have enough willpower to control it. But you do get to the point where you realize you can't. And you say, okay, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. So maybe the Holy Spirit needs to do some heart surgery today, right? <laughs> do some heart surgery in our hearts in our lives. There's a scripture that we used to quote every time we left a chapel service at my college at Lee University. It's Psalm 1914. Go ahead and put it on the screen for me. And to be honest with you, it got so routine and cliche, I would just spout it off real quick and not even think about what I was saying. But the older I've got and the more I've learned how much weight my words carry and how much more I've learned that my words are not the product of my mouth, the word, my words are an overflow of my heart. This scripture means more and more to me. We called it the college benediction. Right, We'd pray it as our prayer of benediction. And that's what it is. It's a prayer. It's not just a scripture. It's a prayer. So we're going to pray it together today. You guys okay with that? So let's pray it together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Can we do it again? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Because the words of my mouth is an overflow from the meditation of my heart. 
One more time, would you just lift up hands as we surrender to the Lord? Father, in this place today, we're so grateful for the moving of your presence, for the visitation of your spirit, and for the works of your grace and your goodness. And God, today, we surrender to you the meditation of our heart. God, we surrender to you the words of our mouth. Lord Jesus, that we would be used as instruments of your glory and goodness to show this world through our words, through our ways, God, that they are loved and highly valued. Lord, that we would speak your word over our own selves. God, that no longer that we would look in the metaphorical mirror of our lives and condemn and criticize what we see. God, that we would speak to our spouses, that we would speak to our friends, that we would speak to our children, that we would speak to those we work with, to the ones that we call friends. God, in ways that build up, in ways, God, that bring life. God, that when we're talking about another person, Lord, that in no way that, that we would be ever accused of gossip except it be good gossip. Lord, that we would find ourselves bragging on people and not tearing them down. That we would find ourselves encouraging people with our words and our ways, Lord, not discouraging them. God, that we would find ourselves creating the reality of heaven on earth as it is in heaven with what we say and even, God, how we say it. As we receive your word in our hearts today, we surrender ourselves to you wholly and completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's love the Lord for a moment. I love you, Lifehouse. I told you it wouldn't be that long today. You are dismissed. Let's go show the world they are loved and highly valued.